Dearly beloved, once again I greet you all in the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Lord has enabled us to enter into another new month. God has been with us in the past 10 months, blessing us, guiding us, protecting us and leading us. Once again, we have entered into another new month of November. Soon we will be entering into another Christmas season. and after that of course the new year so as we look forward to our future the lord wants us to realize who we are in christ the theme that is given to us is treasure in jars of clay or clay jars it's taken from second corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 and that's going to be the key passage for this day I'm not going to deal with other passages. I'm going to stick with this passage and try to help you to understand in what sense St. Paul used this beautiful imagery, treasures in clay jars. Of course, all the letters of uh, the apostles are one-sided conversations. we should all always bear that in mind for example suppose this is the conversation that you hear hello ah yes yes me the pastor here egmer wesley church oh is that so they hit the pastor where which church oh another wesley church ah oh not in our diocese now what are the information that you gather from this conversation if it is a small group i would have asked one or two people to respond to me but you know from this conversation what happened on the other side you just heard what i talked but from this conversation you are able to come to know about the fact that there was some problem in a church and in that struggle someone hit the pastor and that is not in our diocese in the same way when you read the letters of st paul or peter or james we have the one sided conversation we always have to go beyond that and look for what happened really at corinth or in philippi or in galatia now from there are two ways to go one to read the letter of st paul and from his response we come to know what happened in corinth or we can study some historical books and come to know what would have happened in the church and why st paul was writing in that way now i'm going to do the same thing <clears throat> now coming to the theme treasure in clay paul came out with this beautiful imagery out of his own experience out of his own experience realizing who he was and how the church was in order to illustrate that i have come up with a letter which i picked from a book the church was looking for a pastor 
because their pastor is going to retire soon. So they invited application from other pastors, and in that place, the church had the practice of selecting their own pastor, like uh, St. Andrew's Kirk. So someone applied for the position of pastor of that church. This is the letter. Dear members of the church council, greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. I came to know that you are in search of a pastor for your church. I hereby apply for the position. I have many qualifications. I had good education under great professors. I've been a successful preacher and well-known writer. I'm good in finance, finance campaign too. But I should say in tr the truth that I am over 50 years of age. I never stayed in one church for more than three years. In some places, because of my work, there were riots in the town, disturbance in the churches. I must admit, I have been in prison three or four times. Recently, I'm not keeping good health. I asked the Lord to heal me, but he's not doing it. I'm not good in keeping records, particularly the baptism register. I don't know how many people I have baptized. However, I promise to do my best if you appoint me as the pastor of your church. Now tell me, how many of you will appoint this person as a pastor of Egmore Wesley Church when I retire? <laughs> I don't think so. But if you know the person who signed it, you will know. <clears throat> signed by St. Paul. This is a letter that I took from Chicken Soup for the Christian Soul. You know that book. Now, this was the experience of St. Paul. He knew that he was weak, but he also knew that God used him in a wonderful way. Now, in order to understand this passage, first I would like to share with you the historical context in which St. Paul wrote this letter. Secondly, the literary context in which we are able to understand this beautiful imagery. Finally, I would like to share with you an historical e event that took place in Germany. Okay, the historical context. In the first letter, we know that St. Paul was very harsh because he found many, many wrong things that had been done in that church. People came and reported him that these are the things that are happening in the church at Corinth. So he wrote a very strong letter. I'll give you a few passages. If you have the Bible, you can turn along with me to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. I'll give you a few Bible verses. It's there in the screen also. I will just say what exactly St. Paul was pointing out to them. In verse 11, he says, see, it, is, it has been reported to me by Chloe people that there is quarreling among you 
you are fighting within the church then in chapter 1 chapter 2 verse 1 to 8 we come to know how these people oh, sorry uh, chapter 3 1 where he says my brothers you could not address i could not address you as spiritual people but as the people of the flesh as infant in christ that was very strong statement then if you look at chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 there again you see it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you church church and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans and let's move on to chapter 6 verse 5 sorry uh, verse verse 18 and 20 there we see again st paul i think i'm moving it uh, chapter 6 1 where we read when one of you has grievance against another does he dare not to go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints so somebody took another member to court so st paul was a little upset about that then in verse 8 and 2 verse 2 there again we see st paul condemning him if anyone imagines that he knows something he does not know as he ought to know so because they were happily eating what was placed before the idols so st paul was terribly upset then in chapter 10 verse 5 and 6 he says see you have been baptized you are taking part in communion but you are not leading a life that is pleasing in the sight of god so he compares them with the israelites who were wandering in the wilderness and he said they have taken baptism by crossing the red sea by eating the manna and drinking the water from the rock actually they were taking sacraments but many of them did not please god so they all died in the wilderness in the same way you corinthians the christians in corinthians you have been baptized you are taking part in the holy communion but you were not leading a life pleasing in the sight of god so you will die in this world as many of them did not enter to the promised land you will not enter into the heavenly canaan so that was a very strong statement and of course in chapter 11 also he talks in verse 17 and 18 he says but in the following instruction i do not command you because when you come together it's not for the better but for the worse that is when they came to participate in the holy communion they were not participating in an appropriate way in a proper way that's why he says in verse 28 and 29 let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and brings judgment on himself then he came 
with a strong statement. That's why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Now, if you look at these verses, we know that St. Paul came heavily upon the Christians who lived in Corinth in the first letter. So the Corinthians received the letter, read it, and they were all hurt. And they loved St. Paul, they admired him, but when he came down heavily upon them, but the good thing was that they repented. They repented. Then he got the news that these people were really hurt and they repented and the person who committed sin really repented and started leading a holy life. When he heard this news, he wrote the second letter. Now, in this second letter, <clears throat> uh, Second Corinthians, we come to know how St. Paul tried to placate them, appreciating them, encouraging them. Particularly, let me read another few verses from Second Corinthians. We'll start with the chapter 2. There he says, particularly I'll read uh, one verse, verse 4. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of my heart. See, I didn't want to scold you just because I want to scold you. No. I loved you. I want you to change your life. I want you to receive God's blessing. I want you to come to heaven. So out of love, I reprimanded you. I rebuked you. I wanted you to correct. Then he says, I'm happy, really happy that you people have repented. Then he finally went to this extent of saying in verse 4, so you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him. Because we have the word him, we know that he was referring to some particular person. So, okay, he repented, forgive him and take him into the church. Then he starts appreciating them. First one, in chapter 3, <clears throat> in verse 2, he says, you yourself are letter of recommendation. Here he was talking about another pastors, itinerant pastors, who go to different churches and they want to speak in different churches. So when they, then they went to different places, they carried a recommendation letter. Take for example, it could be a recommendation from a bishop. So they took the recommendation letter, went to different churches and preached. And St. Paul says, I don't have to take the recommendation letter. You yourself are the recommendation letter. When people see you, they will know my ministry was an effective one. I don't need any recommendation letter. Then after that, he says, you have a new identity in Jesus Christ. What is that? 
First, he says in chapter 3, verse 6, you are the ministers of new covenant. And then in verse 17, he says, you are freed. Because the Holy Spirit, you are freed from sin, Satan, from all the powers and principalities. So you have the freedom. Then finally in chapter 5, in verse 17, he says, you are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And finally, he talks about uh, that body, especially in chapter 6, verse 16. We are the temple of the living God. And he gives them a new position in chapter 5, verse 20. We are ambassadors of Christ. So in these ways, St. Paul appreciated them. And then he said, I know you are weak. Weak like a clay jar. Easily breakable. But at the same time, you have treasures. You have treasures. Yes, he was talking about the olden day context in which they didn't have any banks. So they stored gold coins and silver coins in clay jars and buried them or stored them in some safe place or safe room. Now St. Paul says, yes, we are weak people. But we have treasure. What are the treasures? There, then he comes up with uh, the treasures that God himself has given to them. First, when he talks about the weakness of us, we all know that we are weak in body. Especially, Paul realized it. In chapter 12, 2 Corinthians, he pleads with God to heal him. Yes, St. Paul had some problem, physical problem. They say it's some headache that was continuous. So, whatever medicine he took, he, he didn't receive the healing. He prayed to God. He says, I asked God for three times to heal me. But God didn't heal me. He simply said, my grace is sufficient for thee. So we also know that our body is weak. Particularly as we grow old, we know we lost our physical strength. Sometimes when we face some difficult situation, we lose our peace. We are weak in our mind too. Many a time we don't have the mental strength to cope up with the problems that we face in this world. Some unexpected things happen one way or the other. We are really upset. Many a time we feel even our own education, even our own experience do not help us in face the problems that we have in this world. We are baffled. We struggle. Yes, we know that we are clay. Yet, yet at the same time, St. Paul says, don't concentrate on your clayness of yourself. Think about what you have in you. What you have in you. So let me move on to the other one. What exactly is the treasure? What exactly is the treasure? 
First of all, let me pick up a few verses from the second Corinthians itself. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, clearly says, you are the temple of God. What is the first treasure? God himself. God is within you. Never, never forget that. When you feel that you are weak, immediately remember, God is within, within you. He will never forsake you. He's always beside you. When we partake in the Holy Communion, as we take the bread and wine, as the bread and wine goes inside our body, the Lord wants us to realize that Christ is in you. You are in Christ. And secondly, the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have the salvation. We have freedom. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Never, never forget that. Dear brothers and sisters, when your own strength fails, that's where the power of the Holy Spirit will manifest in your life. So the Holy Spirit is not a treasure. God himself is our treasure. Christ himself is our treasure. And of course, we have the salvation. Then we have new identity in Jesus Christ. We are children of God. Then as St. Paul talks, he says we are ambassadors of Christ. We represent Jesus Christ in this world. And of course, God loves us. And in our heart, we have love of God. We have peace that passeth all understanding. As Jesus said in John chapter 14, my peace I give unto you. I'm not giving the peace that you see in this world. No, my peace is different. My peace will be permanent, deep within your heart. So these are the treasures that we receive from God himself as we realize the weakness of our own self. Of course, the abundant life, the Lord has given us abundant life. And not only that, we have received eternal life. If anyone believes in Jesus, he has eternal life, as we read in John chapter 6, verse 47. Now, I'm coming to the last one. That is, <clears throat> how God can use weak people like you and me. Because of the treasure that we have in Jesus Christ, we can do wonderful things in this world. So, let me conclude with the real story, an historical event that took place in 1989. What happened? <clears throat> we all know about this Berlin Wall. After the Second World War, <clears throat> Germany was, no, before, before that, Germany was divided into two. We all know Russia came on the one side and they conquered some part and the allied forces came from the west and they conquered. Now you see the red line, that was the Berlin Wall. The allied forces took three zones and even western side of the Berlin city, that was the capital city, they cut the city into two. This became the democratic uh, government. 
The other side was ruled by the Russians and they ruled in a communist way. Now what happened, the western side started developing fastly because of their own economic system. On the other side, they emphasized on the communist style of functioning. So eastern side did not develop and freedom was curtailed. So much so, many people started moving from the eastern side to the western side. Okay? Now, the communist government thought we should restrict that because they were losing labor force. So initially, they had the barbed wire. Next slide. And after that, next one. They started building a wall 12 feet high and 4 feet broad. Okay? In that way, they restricted people migrating from Eastern Germany to the West Germany. Many people tried to cross the wall, they were shot dead. Many people were killed. Now what happened? Next. In 1980s, in the beginning of the year, Reverend Christian Furer, the pastor of St. Nicholas Church, it's a Lutheran church, he called for a prayer. He called for a prayer. Then he asked everybody to gather, Christians and non-Christians, because the communist government allowed people to gather only in the church. All the public assembly was uh, they didn't allow it, but not allowed. So the pastor was bold enough to call for a prayer. People came. After that initial prayer, he called for a vigil. People came holding candles. And they started from the church, read the Beatitude, and the pastor said, it's going to be a silent procession. But take the candle. Let's go on a procession. They went. Then things started happening. Exactly on the 9th of October, 1989, there was a conference of the communist government. Just within, say, about uh, six or seven months. And they met. People were asking about permitting people to move to Western, West Germany and break the wall. But they were very stubborn. But in that conference, the communist leader decided, probably we can allow at the checkpoints. And they asked their leader, Gunther Schabowski, <coughs> to declare the news in the public. So after that, next one. <coughs> this is uh, the German leader. And he announced that soon people can go to the other side. And checkpoints will be opened. Someone in the crowd suddenly asked him, <clears throat> when? 
instead of saying soon that person he said immediately after saying it he repented for what he said the other leaders was astonished what was he saying he said it immediately that was not our decision but he said it and then that news came in the television people heard about it they gathered around check in the near the checkpoints around 10:45 in the night then they asked him to open the guards to open the gate and initially they didn't do it but later on they allowed it because the people showed the, the news <clears throat> so much was the crowd the guards were unable to manage the crowd they pushed open the gate people started running and some people started breaking the wall they broke the wall and entered to the other side and the people on the other side welcomed them with flowers and champagne and there was a great joy people danced and celebrated but dear brothers and sisters in christ it all started with a prayer in a church prayer in a church you and i are weak but we have treasures god himself is within us christ is within us the power of the holy spirit is within us we have the salvation all that god wants you to do is yield yourself to god he can use you with that in mind in a prayerful mood let us sing the first stanza of the song have thine own way thine own way lord have thine own way the water i am the mold me and make me after thy will while i am waiting elder and still shall we sing it once again understand the words god is our potter you are just clay you think you are shaping your life no it is god who shapes your life allow god to shape your life yield yourself to god's will i know many people are very stubborn in not doing it but today the lord is asking us to yield to his will shall we sing it again have thine own way lord have thine own way thou art the potter i am the clay mold me and make me after thy will 
while I am waiting, yielded and stood. Yes, Master, we surrender ourselves at thy feet, O Lord. We know our weaknesses, and you know our weaknesses. It, we know that we have treasures within us, in our body, in our mind, in our heart, in our soul. Help us to realize the treasure, the treasures that we have within us and yield ourselves to your will so that you can use us in a wonderful way as you have used the church and the people in the times of past. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.